Hello and welcome to the Silver King's War. I'm Michael Sievers, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we continue in the Silver King's writing from Bomber School in Carlsbad, New Mexico. It's December of 1943. Stanley writes on Friday, December 3rd, 1943, Dearest ones, I'm charge of quarters this morning, and not having to go to school gives me a good chance to write. Your letters have been coming regularly. Thanks a million. Also, your box arrived Tuesday. It's really swell of you to have sent it. Thanks for that, too. It was in much better condition than the previous one. The cookies being individually wrapped kept them fresh. I was flying again last night and got a rough deal because of it. I didn't get to bed until after midnight, and being CQ, I had to be up at five. I would have obviously been able to sleep until eight, so I'm pretty tired now. I'll have to go to bed early tonight to make up for it. There were two missions flown last night, both being combat record bombs. As I told you, combat bombs are dropped using evasive action, and the second counts as my score. It's quite a bit more difficult than just plain bombing. The runs in synchronous bombing are usually 100 seconds and more long, while the combat bombs are only from 25 to 45 seconds long. You can see how everything must be done faster. We will drop a total of 60 combat record bombs, and of this, a certain percentage must be hits. You see, the bombs are scored as hit or miss instead of the usual CE. At 4,000 feet, a 125-foot radius circle is used as the target, and at 10,000 feet, a 350 by 350 square is used. Any bomb landing within those limits is counted as a hit, as yet I don't know what percentage of hits I must get. So far, of 15 record bombs, I have six hits. Well, I think we're through bombing at night now, thank goodness. It was really getting tiresome. The weather is much colder, which makes it plenty uncomfortable up there at night. Besides that, it takes away the evening, and that is the only free time we have. The missions usually last about one and a half hours each, but there is so much paperwork we don't get back until late. There isn't much going on in ground school. All the important work is behind us. We still have a few navigation missions to fly, so most of our time is spent working out these problems. With only six more weeks to sweat out, Things are going smoothly. Yesterday, I finished taking my physical exam. I'm happy to report all went off okay. My eyes are still 20-20, 
and that is the important thing. It was a much rougher exam than the one I had at Nashville. Each doctor I came to, I had to give the same story about my hand. While at Nashville, they didn't look at it twice. I don't think it will prevent me getting through. Also, I had to have a filling put in one tooth. I can't get by those damn dentists without having to have something done. Anyhow, I'm glad it's over with. Now I have one less worry on my mind. You know I'd like to call you, but I don't want to promise. It takes so long to get through in the evening, and there is always a long line of fellows waiting to make a call. The phone here is kept busy constantly. I'll call you some Sunday when I get the chance. Just be patient. By the time you receive this, Leona and Richie will probably be there. I can imagine how happy you will be. It will be my first Xmas away from home, and do I hate it? I will certainly feel lost that day. I know you're going to have fun with Richie. I envy you. However, it won't be long before I see you. I take it you've decided not to drive out. I guess that's best after all. But it would have been nice driving back. Are you sure the reservations for the return trip will hold good from that end? I certainly don't want to be stuck here any longer than necessary. As I wrote you, we can leave here the same day as graduation, that is, the same night. I'm getting excited about it already. That's about all Sherry and I talk about. He's going home to be married so he's even more excited. Be sure to write me the route of the train and the time it will take. I do hope it isn't too long of a trip. About this holiday shopping, it is best you don't buy without me. The best thing to do would be to send me the money and let me buy. In that way, I can get exactly what I want and what I need. The weather is very pretty now, but a little cold. The snow was just one of those unusual affairs. It's really beautiful flying weather. There isn't any other news. By the way, doesn't Jerome get his commission tomorrow? I know how happy he will be. Please extend my congratulations along with yours. Keep well and take care of yourselves. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. The Silver King continues his optimistic and thorough letters and his pattern of weekly reports to his family as he writes on Thursday, December 9, 1943. Dearest ones, I'm ashamed of myself for not writing at all this week. Everything is fine, and I hope you didn't worry. For some reason, I couldn't get myself down to writing. Up to now, this has been one hectic week. Monday, we started learning a new type of navigation called, quote, follow the pilot, end quote, and every hour in ground school was spent going over it. My head began reeling from it. 
Then Tuesday and Wednesday, I flew missions of that kind. Take my word for it. It was a terrific headache. Tuesday was the first time I got lost on a mission. It works like this. The pilot flies a number of different headings, and at a particular time, I must be able to know where I am and to give him a heading into destination. It isn't easy, as you can imagine. With the plane flying all over the sky, and the only information I had was what my instruments read. Wednesday, I took advantage of the mistakes I made Tuesday. Consequently, had a zero-zero mission. That is, I brought the plane in right over destination with my ETA right on the nose. That made up for the miserable day I had Tuesday. We also carried bombs on the missions and dropped them after the navigation was completed. All in all, we were up both days a little over eight hours, and that's a lot of flying. My poor brain really takes a beating. Right now, I'm experiencing my first blizzard. I've never seen such crazy weather. One day is beautiful, while the next it might be snow. Last night, it started raining slightly and continued through the night and most of today. This afternoon, the wind began rising, and the rain turned to sleet. I've never seen anything like it. The wind must be close to 50 miles per hour. It's almost impossible to walk in it, and the sleet cuts your face. If it turns to snow, it will be above the roofs by morning. We were scheduled to fly this afternoon, but of course it was canceled. Also, we're scheduled to fly tomorrow morning, but I'm afraid that's out also. I just hope it doesn't blow the roof off while I'm sleeping tonight. The squadron is scheduled to go on bivouac in the desert this Sunday. We live under actual combat conditions, pup tents, rations, etc. We will be out there for the entire week. Then there will be no baths or showering. For the entire time. We even have to wash in our helmets. We should do a lot of flying on simulated combat missions, so it should be a lot of fun. However, if the weather keeps up, I'm afraid it too will be canceled. Now that you've made train reservations, you might have to change them. Graduation has been moved up one day earlier. As it stands now, we will graduate on Friday, January 14th. According to your present plans, you should arrive Friday morning. However, the way trains run nowadays, you can't trust one to be on time. The ceremony will be in the early part of the afternoon, but I'd still rather for you to be here a day ahead of time just to be sure. And since it is such a hard trip, I want you to get a good night's rest before going back. I will have to clear the field the same day as graduation and would like to catch the train that same night. Of course, I'm still planning on 
the leave just in case I do get it. Therefore, it will be much better if you move all your plans up one day. It certainly is a long trip. Spending that one whole day and two nights riding will be murder. I am a different man now. I can't sit still any longer. You'll have to keep me amused all the way. Boy, am I getting excited. You must be having a wonderful time with Richie. He certainly must be a big boy. I just wish he would be at home when I get there. And that brings up another subject. I definitely want to go to Chicago if I get leave, even if it's for only one day. We'll talk about that on the way home. Write me all about Richie and Leona and give them my love. I hope you're well and taking care of yourselves. I also hope you don't get any of this weather. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you. Stan. Stanley is in serious negotiations on travel with his mother as they deliberate over graduation. And he writes to them uh, 10 days later on Sunday, December 19th, 1943. Dearest ones, it was grand talking to you all this morning. You surely sounded wonderful. I was plenty homesick when I said goodbye. It's a relief to know Leona and Richie are over their colds. It's a shame that it has to happen each year. There seems to be an epidemic of flu all over the country. I'm sorry Richie wouldn't talk to me. I was so anxious to hear his voice. I can imagine all the fun you're having with him. He must be adorable from all you say. I'm wondering if you've gotten the Xmas tree yet. I'll surely miss you all come Xmas Day. I made it a point to call today since I wasn't able to write last week. I stayed in town at the La Caverna as I was thinking about that soft bed all week. I had the kid at the desk place the call for me so I didn't have to get up until the call was completed. That was doing it the easy way. As for calling next Sunday, I won't promise. I don't know if I'll have the chance, and I don't want to disappoint you. You know I'll do my best, as I do want to talk to you all, especially since Lee and Cece will be there. Now for the details of the past week. I feel swell, and none the worse from it. It was a marvelous experience, but one week of it was plenty for me. You remember the sleet storm we had had the week before? Well, the ground was still partly covered with ice when we left camp last Sunday morning. Part ice and part mud. I never really thought we would go out due to those conditions, but that's the Army's way. We were to live under actual simulated combat conditions, and this put us off to a great start. Our base was set up at an auxiliary field about eight miles in the desert from here. There was absolutely nothing there except runways when we arrived. We had to start from scratch in setting it up. It took me practically all day to finally get settled. First we had 
to put up the officers' tents, then the enlisted man's tents, then the field kitchen, and lastly, our own little pup tents. There were 150 cadets, and we had to do all the work. Believe me, it was a job and a half. I hadn't worked that hard in a long time. Each cadet was issued a bedroll, two blankets, a comfort, a helmet, and a mess kit, leggings, a canteen, and half a pup tent. There were two men to a tent, so Sherry and I bunked together. The tents are so small that when two men get in there, there isn't any room left at all. We had to keep all our belongings on the outside. The first night, we were so miserable, we laughed ourselves to sleep. It was so bad, it was actually funny. We had to sleep on the damp ground while the officers and GIs slept on cots with stoves in their tents. When I left here last Sunday, I dressed for the entire week. I didn't even change socks during the week. It was too cold to expose any part of my body. This is what I wore the whole week. Besides underwear, I had on sweatpants, a sweatshirt, uniform pants and shirt, and my heavy sweater. I slept in that while during the day I wore my complete winter flying suit. At night, I would pile this on my bedroll. All in all, it wasn't too cold sleeping. Just my face would get cold when the frost would form on the tent. Getting up in the morning was the toughest part of it. Before I could get into my flying suit, I would be chilled to the bone. We tried to keep fires going around the tents, and that helped some. Another bad part was the latrine, of course. This was all out in the open. You know, one of those back-to-nature affairs. It was quite an ordeal to go there when one had to go. Right chilly, to say the least. I flew three missions while there, and when I wasn't flying... There were always some kinds of work details. These were KP and guard duty at all hours of the night. The meals were really terrible. Nothing was even hot, and what there was wasn't fit to eat. One day they put us on field rations. The food comes in cans, and we had to heat it ourselves. It actually tasted better than what we had been getting. And when we got back yesterday, they gave us steak and french fries at the mess hall. I ate so much I thought it would come out of my ears. Flying was the only real fun I had there. On each mission, we were briefed as they actually do in combat. We are given the target, and our mission was to destroy it. On one mission, we had to navigate to Lubbock, Texas, where there was a reservoir. This reservoir was our objective. Using the bomb site, we synchronized on it and took a picture of it through the site just as we 
had bombed it. It was like the real thing. On the other two missions, I dropped demolition bombs instead of the usual practice bombs. It's a bigger bomb and makes a big bomb crater. We could even feel the concussion from all of it at 4,000 feet in the air. And then we dropped bombs while flying in formation. It was a big thrill. After each mission, the planes would come back flying low over the field, just as they do in combat, so they can be counted to see how many get back. One day, planes from the base here flew over to where we were and bombed us with flour sacks, besides dropping tear gas. They would fly over at about 50 feet and let go with the flour, trying to knock our tents down. We all got a kick out of that. We got a break on the weather while there. It went down to 20 degrees one night, but at least it was dry. I can say I'm good and tired. I slept like a baby last night. I can say something else, too. If combat is anything like that, I certainly have no desire to go there. Thanks a million for sending my razor and the beautiful gloves. I'll really be dressed to kill when you pin those bars on me. Needless to tell you how much I appreciate the check, but you shouldn't have made it for such a large amount. It will go to increasing my officer's wardrobe. Thanks again. Give everyone my love, and write often. Keep well. Love to Ida. I love you and miss you, Stan. We have reached the end of Carlsbad Letters Part 6, as the Silver King has his taste of simulated combat life, and it's clear he prefers traveling in the air. This is also the conclusion of the special recording that I did on Memorial Day of 2021. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.